seatbelts to us, it's a reminder, right? What do they represent really? Two things, safety and security. Turn to your neighbor and say safety and security. This morning, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to, and I'm going to get back to the buckle thing here in a little bit. But we are going to, um, is that working now? Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Before we do that, a couple interesting facts. Every second your body produces 25 million new cells, in 15 seconds you will have produced more cells than there are people in the United States. Every second your body produces 25 million new cells, in 15 seconds you will have produced more cells than there are people in the United States. One, two, three, four. That's why our body's always tired, it's always working. There are an average of 80,000 miles of blood vessels in the human body. If you were to take the blood vessels out and lay them end to end, they would be long enough to travel around the world more than three times. The average 80,000 miles of blood vessels that are in the human body. Touch your body and say, in this body, I've got 80,000 miles blood vessels traveling through my body. Your eye focuses on 50 different objects each second. Your eye focuses on 50 different objects each second. Your eye can distinguish between 10 million different colors, unless you're colorblind, right? Which some of us might be, and I'm sorry, but the majority of us can distinguish 10 million different colors with our eyeballs. 80% of our learning comes through our eyes. Your iris, which is the colored part of your eye, has 256 unique characteristics. Fingerprints only have 40. The human eye is able to resolve the equivalent of a 52 megapixel camel. camera. <laughs> camel is so cool too, right? But how many of us, you know, on our smartphones know that you know, I don't know what they're up to now. Are they 12, 14, right? 16, whatever they may be, megapixels. Your eye, 52 megapixels. That is pretty amazing. St. Augustine said this, men go abroad to wonder at the heights of the mountains, at the huge waves of the sea, at the long courses of the rivers, at the vast compass of the ocean, at the circular motions of the stars, and they pass by themselves without even wondering. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. You know, the human need today for acceptance is one of our basic instincts. And some value the need for acceptance way more than anything else in life. God created us so unique and so different. Our eyes, our fingerprints, the blood, the DNA, everything that's inside of us. It is so unique and so different. And the only thing he's asking us to do is to use that difference to make a difference. To use everything that is unique inside of us. Every single one of us, Jeremiah 29 11 says, God has a purpose for me, for you, for every one of us, and to use that purpose to make a difference. How do we make a difference? How do we make a difference today? It's 2021, and God wants you to know this morning that in this season, God put you here to 
make a difference. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 2, starting verse 1, or if you have your phone, or you can read it up on the screen. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars at rose. We've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law, and he asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Verse 5. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you. He will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Verse 8. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Last two verses. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened up their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. And so this morning, we start a series, a two-part series. Today's part two. It's not part one, it's part two. Turn your neighbor and say, it's part two. We're going backwards. It's part two. And so we break down and we start to paint the picture of what we just read this morning. It said that there was wise men. And these wise men were described as men who watched stars. The wise men were, were men who were astrologers. They, they watched the sky. They watched the moon, the sun, the stars. And they read things in the stars. They followed the stars. And so on this particular day, this was time, maybe a year, two years after Jesus was born, they saw something that was spoken in the stars that said there is a newborn king of the Jews. And so this, this didn't freak them out. It, it created curiosity inside of these men. They wanted to see, okay, who is this newborn king that has been born, the Jews? Romans 1.19 says, they know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. Ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God had made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. And I want to read one more time. Um, the quote from St. Augustine, and then we're related to this verse. Men go abroad to wonder at the heights of the mountains, at the huge waves of the sea, at the long courses of the rivers, at the vast compass of the ocean, at the circular motions of the stars, and they pass by themselves even without wondering what in the heck, who am I? You know, St. Augustine wrote this, and he was describing people, and, and so many millions of people, they do not understand the amazingness in which God has created us. And so many people, they're are just the same amount of people who they're amazed with themselves and not amazed at the creation that God has created. From the very beginning of time, people have looked for someone or something to worship. And so we have men and women who worship the sun, the moon, the stars. There are people who worship all kinds of different things. And in Romans, the verse that I read, 119 says, God made his invisible qualities known to us. How? Through his creation. If you go outside 
And how many of us at night in the summertime, when it's a little bit cooler, look up at the stars and say, that's so beautiful. That's so amazing. How many of us have ever looked at the full moon and wanted to bark? No. How many of us have looked up at the night in the full moon and said, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. This is a bright nightlight. This is amazing. And how many of us have taken time to just stare at the sun and say, oh, I love you, son. You're so warm and you make me feel so good, right? But looking at the stars, looking at the moon, looking at the sun and feeling heat, feeling energy, does that drive us to give thanks to the creation or does it point you to the creator? How many of us have studied our own self and said, man, I like and I enjoy everything that God has given to me. I like and I enjoy everything that God has put inside me. My eyes, it's so amazing. I love to look and to see and to watch and to read. How many of us enjoy reading? And every time we read, take a step back and say, God, you're the one who has made eyes so that I can read. And so I give you thanks. God has so many different things that are speaking his language, his creation, his qualities, everything, his character. It is everywhere you go and everything that you do. There's sometimes where I'll turn on, you know, Disney movies. I mean, not by myself because I do have five kids. But I'll be watching movies and as I'm watching movies, there's just something, no matter what I'm watching, God will speak to me through that movie. And as I'm looking, as I'm wondering, I can hear him speak so loud and clear. Why? Because my heart is looking for the qualities of God. My heart is looking for him. And whether I'm watching something scary or whether I'm watching something funny or whether I'm watching a cartoon, I can learn and I can see and I can hear because my heart wants to know God. And so God said through Paul, Romans 1.19, People know the truth about God because he's made it obvious. If you look at his creation from the one the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. And it's not made to point people to say, oh, such a beautiful sun, such a beautiful moon. It's made to point you into deeper places. Where did it come from? And if you ask yourself, where did I come from? What am I doing here? It will drive you to God. How did the sun get here? How did the moon get here? Did two planets collide? Did, you know, did we evolve from monkey? If you truly search for truth, if you really want to know the truth, you will find it one day. You know, so many people have, have gone on long journeys to find the truth. And if you honestly want to search and find the truth. You know, I always laugh. How many of us have, have heard and seen and read in newspapers and shows when they, they say that they, um, you know, examine bones and there's 30, you know, billion years old. And I want you to ask yourself, have you ever, you know, listened to what you're, you're watching or, or reading and say, this is a man-made machine. How does a man-made machine really honestly know how to determine? There was a guy, and um, his name kind of escapes me right now, but he buried uh, some dog bones in the uh, backyard. And what he did was he put them in there for I forget how many you know, years, but he had them examined. And when, he, when they examined them, they said, oh, yeah, these are, these are 10 million years old. He goes, really? Because I just buried them a couple years ago. 
you have to be careful what source gives you the information. You have to be careful what is your source of truth because there's so many variations of truth. We know from the very beginning, Satan's, what is his main goal? It's to confuse you with truth. It is to take a little bit of a lie, mix it with truth. It's like a cocktail. Not that I know what one is, but it's like a cocktail where they mix, you know, liquor and something else like Coke or whatever they do, right? That's what the devil does every single day of your life is he mixes truth with something else. Why? Because he wants to screw your head up. God is trying to display who he is through his creation. And so these wise men, as they're called in the Bible, they saw in the stars, they saw a message in the stars. And what was the message? There is a God, there is a creator, and there is a king that was just born. What I like about these wise men is they had some follow-through. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you have some follow-through? <clears throat> when I first got into sales, my boss, my very first boss, and he was the guy that I learned the most from in sales, one of the things that he said to me is, and I came, when I, when I got into food sales, I wasn't a cook, wasn't absolutely nothing food-related at all. I like to eat. That's one that, okay, so I did have that. I did like to eat, right? But I had no, 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 nothing, intelligence, wisdom on, on any food products that I was going to sell. And so my boss said, listen, being, I think I was um, 25, 24 at the time, so a couple years ago. And he said, listen, when you're standing in front of a chef, don't be an idiot. If he asks you for something and you don't know what it is, tell him I don't know. But... Get him an answer really quick. Follow up and follow through. Turn to your neighbor and say, follow up and follow through. And even though that my boss wasn't a, a Christian, he said, don't be a liar. Be honest. Be honest with your customers and tell them the truth because people will spot liars. And that stuck with me for the 20 years that I've been selling food. I can tell you it's funny. In Idlewild, one of the places that I sell, where's my territory, basically. But um, there was a guy, a salesman that worked for the competitor up there one year. And he was up there lying to different customers. And he was lying about me. He was lying about my company. And so this, there was two customers in the same summer that they they found that the salesman kept lying to them. So he came in, tried to steal their business from me. And... He lied to this one customer three times, and the customer said, you're done. You're not, you, I don't buy from liars. And same thing happened to another, another customer as well. Same guy, but he felt like lying to customers was the way to get business. Lying never works. Being a liar never works. You have to learn to tell the truth. And so my very first boss said, be honest and then follow through. The wise men in this story, they saw the message. They saw the message in the sky. And they could have just left it at that. They could have put on their 3D classes and said, this is an amazing movie. Yeah, keep it going. This is awesome. And they could have brought out their pillow, my pillow, those super comfortable ones. And they could have put on, you know, their robes and had the popcorn and just sat there and watched the message in the sky as God was writing it out and did nothing at all. But as they saw the message, what did they decide to do? They decided to follow it through. So we have an issue today with, with some people, not us, because we're all amazing people, other people in other churches who don't follow the Bible through. Now, I'm not perfect. 
and maybe you're not perfect as well. But how many of us, when God tells us to do something, it's not that he just wants to say it. He wants you to follow it through. The blessing, the reward, like Joel spoke about this morning, giving is an amazing blessing. It is, doesn't it? That's one of the greatest things. Now, when I was a kid, I used to love to receive gifts. I, I would not sleep some nights as a kid because I just couldn't wait. I wanted to wake up. I wanted to see Santa. I wanted to give him milk and cookies. And then I just couldn't wait to open presents, right? That was the most amazing thing as a young child. I can't wait for my new bike and I can't wait for my Nintendo, right? So I can play Super Mario Brothers. As a kid, how many of us remember those nights when it was so exciting? But then how many of us have grown up, maybe some of us still are kids, but we've seen, man, it is just as fun to give a gift and then to watch the expression on the faces as we give a gift. Giving is such a blessing. To be a giver is such a blessing. And what we fail to realize sometimes, the, the blessing, it's not, it's not just in, in giving and it's not just in holding. Like Joel went through a small test with this person who kept following him around. And Joel might have gave the money just to get her away, right? It was apparent, even if he got in the car and started driving away, she probably was going to hop in the car, right? She followed him from the door all the way to the car. She probably was going to hop in the car and ride with Joel until she got that cash. So maybe Joel gave money just to shoo her away. The blessing of God, the blessing of the Bible... It's in the obedience. It's in the follow-through. It is in the follow-through. And in my job, I have seen over and over again, I have lost customers because I just failed to follow through. And I can see in my family life because, again, I'm not perfect. There are times where I tell my kids, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, and I forget and I get busy. It's not that I don't want to, but then I see the expression of their face, the letdown of not following through. Following through is such an important part of life. Following through is what God has put us here to do. It's not enough just to read the message. It's not enough to look at the stars and say they're beautiful. Read through the lines. Read through the stars. It's pointing to a deeper message. We must follow through. As the wise men did, they followed through. They saw the message. It took them from where they were. They took them from Persia all the way to Jerusalem. They got in front of King Herod. King Herod was a horrible man. This guy killed his wife. This guy killed family members. He was so afraid to lose the power that he had as a king. He killed everybody in his life. King Herod was a horrible person. And then even after this story, King Herod goes and he starts killing young babies because he heard that there was a king coming. So he kills his family off because he didn't want them to take his spot. And then he started killing little kids. This man was evil and gross. And these wise men appeared before him because they wanted to find this newborn king. It says that these wise men were humble. And we see that they were humble. And humble stating, humble is a perspective of who we are. And how many of us know people who are so full of themselves and so prideful that all they do is talk about themselves and all their accomplishments? And then how many of us know humble people who it's not about them, their own selves, right? It's about everybody else. You know, it's one of those things, if you are a sports person, Michael Jordan, who was a pretty decent basketball player, right, in the 90s, he had to learn that... He could win so many games on his own, 
But if he wanted to win multiple championships, he had to learn how to trust who? His teammates. In sports, it's not I. It's about everybody, right? And in this life, God hasn't put you here just for you. God's put you here for everybody else. That is being humble. How do we know the wise men in the story were humble? As soon as they see this little kid, what did they do? It says that they bowed down. They bowed down. They got on their knees. And what did they do? They started to worship this little kid. They didn't really know. They didn't really understand. But it shows the humbleness that they had in their hearts. I don't really get you, little kid. I don't really fully understand who you are, little kid. But I'm going to try. And I'm going to get on my knees. And it speaks to us this morning that there's times where we don't understand what God's doing. There's times when we don't understand what John's talking about. There's times when we don't understand what the Bible is saying. And God is saying, just keep humble. Just get on your knees and just pray. Just keep humble. Isaiah 66 verse 1 says this, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both heaven and earth and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is God saying, now I will bless those who have a humble and broken hearts, those who listen to my word. And so these men in the story, that's such a great picture. How did these men make a difference? They were humble. They were willing to bow down, even though they didn't fully get it and understand. And lastly, we see that these men were givers. It says that they open up their treasure chests. It's cool just to cruise around with a treasure chest anyway, right? But these men opened up their treasure chest and we see that they gave. And the gifts that they gave represented gifts that you would give for a king. They saw the message in the sky that said there is a newborn king. So what did they do? They packed their belongings and they got gifts that were together that were made exactly for what they had seen. There is a new king. Proverbs 8.19 says, my gifts are better than gold. Even the purest gold, my wages are better than sterling silver. Speaking about God and, and wisdom. Proverbs 19.6, many seek favors from a ruler, from a leader, from someone in charge. But everyone is a friend of a person who gives gifts. Everyone is a friend of a person who gives gifts. Are you a gift giver? Are you a gift giver? And it's one of those things where that's why God has given me a wife because I'm more of the stingy, hold on to everything in life kind of person. Whereas my wife is 100% opposite, right? Let's give everything away. And so we balance each other out. Everyone wants to be a friend of someone who gives gifts. You know, giving gifts doesn't exactly mean money. You can give your gift of time, you can give your gift of a meal, you can give your gift of your heart and friendship. How are we at giving gifts? Sometimes it's, you know, how come people are rude and how come people are, you know, sassy and how come people do this to me and how come people do that to me? If you ever took a step back and say, well, how do I treat them? Sometimes we read and judge people all the wrong way because we don't interpret our actions you have to be a good friend to have great friends. If you want gifts given to you, do you give them out in the first place? Or do you just expect people to give to you? Everyone wants to be a friend of the person who gives gifts. These wise men were different men. 
and they made a difference because they followed the stars, they read the stars, and they followed through. They were humble men, and they were men who gave gifts. And so now this morning, if you can grab your belt and smack your neighbor first with your belt. It's not too hard, though, because I don't want to say anyone got beat in church, okay? But just maybe just a gentle little tap or something. There you go. And I want you to hold up your butt, your buckle, your, your belt here. <laughs> this was nice about video. At least I can erase out certain words, right? My title this morning is called Unbuckled. And it is because of this reason. We've been trained for a long time. And I can remember as a kid when the commercials first started coming out, when we saw these guys, right? How many of us remember when this commercial first came out and over and over again, and you're watching everywhere, Belts save what? Lives, right? And so we've been trained, safe, secure. If you get on the airplane, they have to put flight attendants to tell you, buckle up. We have to have commercials that tell us what? Buckle up. Why? Because it supposedly saves your life. But here's the point. We've become so conditioned to want to be safe and secure that we miss God so many times. Because, you see, all of us, we all have so many different feelings. We have so many different emotions. And there's so many things that have happened in life. You don't know me because you don't understand my past. And you don't know my hurt and my pain and this and that. That what we've done is we put on the belt of security. And we put on the belt of safety that we don't let God in to certain parts of our life. God, this part of my life hurts. God, I don't want you into this part of my life. I don't want to talk about this because it's too painful and it hurts. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know how my heart hurts and bleeds. You don't know that I have 80,000 miles of blood going through my system. I, God, no, that, no, no, that, that would hurt too much. And so God this morning is asking you, become unbuckled. When you walk through the doors, when you walk through the doors of church, God wants to speak to you. And I'll put it to you this way, this is funny. So I'm listening to a pastor the other day in Texas, and he was talking about church. And he was talking about how, you know, sometimes he'll get that comment about, well, church was just okay. And so one time this lady came up to him and said, oh, your message was so good today. What happened? He goes, well, you finally started to listen. Many times people come into church and there's days where they're like, yeah, that sounded good. And yeah, that was great. And you know what it is? It's because you weren't distracted. And you wanted to listen. Your phone was down. Everything else was turned off. And you're ready to listen. When we become unbuckled before God, we prepare ourselves. No distractions. I'm walking into church, I'm ready to receive. And there's other times when we walk into church and we sit and we listen through worship and we listen to the message, walk out and say, ah, it just was okay today. Sometimes we put all the ownership on the worship leader and the pastor and not enough ownership on ourselves. If you want a great service, Prepare yourself to have a great service. If you want to have a great flight in an airplane, one of the things they tell you, buckle up. In God, don't buckle up. Be unbuckled. Take the safety and security off. 
Be free and vulnerable before God and let him speak to you. It's not John. It's not John. St. Augustine said, faith is to believe what you do not see. And the reward of this faith is to see what you believe. St. Augustine, faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. Luke 18, 16, a couple more minutes and we're going to wrap up. Jesus called for the children and he said to the disciples, let children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. How many of us have heard this verse over and over and over again? And how many of us know little kids? They're willing to believe anything. You can sell a kid anything you want into in the whole wide world. And most kids will just automatically believe you. Because the faith and the wonder that each kid has in their heart, the curiosity to believe, the curiosity, they're ready to take a journey. They're ready to believe. They're ready to go with you in any kind of story and believe it. Every scary story, they're, they're scared and they're trembling because they're believing every single thing that we say. The wise men in this story, what if as they watch, what if as they listen, what if they said to themselves, you know what, that sounds awesome, but I don't want to go today. What if the wise men in the story said, you know what, sounds great, but I don't want to go to Jerusalem. King Herod's there. He's mean. He kills people. What if the wise men in the story said, you know what, it's just too far to go. Let's stay home today. It's too far to travel. Zoe's moved to the other side of town. It's too far to drive. If the wise men in the story did not go, they would have missed the wonder of God's only son, Jesus Christ. And today... It doesn't matter how many times we read the story. It doesn't matter how many times we sing the same song. It does not matter what repetition happens over and over again. If you lose the wonder and excitement of God, if you lose the curiosity, if you see the star, sun, and moon, and you say, eh, it's no, no, no big deal. It's just what it is. If you're not looking for the deeper meaning, you are missing the wonder that God has for you. Be unbuckled this morning. Don't let life, don't let distractions, don't let sleep, don't let anything rob you of the wonder of the season that God has put you here today. You are a beautiful, handsome, and amazing individual. You are different. You are unique. All of us in here, all of our eyes, all of our fingerprints, different. The DNA, the amount of blood, water, oxygen, all the things that God put into these careful bodies, the wonder pointing to just one thing. I have a creator. It's not mom and dad, though they had something to do with it. Everything that is beautiful inside of us, it points to something more. And this morning as we wrap up and close, we're gonna actually going to pray. The question is, and I think all of us, if we were honest this morning, we could honestly say there's many days where I'm just missing the wonder of life. Not wonder bread, the wonder of life. How many days go through work? How many days just go through and it's work and it's grind and it's money and it's bills and how many of us this and putting up lights and taking down this and cleaning this and this and that. The wise men in this story, they had to follow the message all the way through the end. And so with your eyes closed and heads bowed this morning, the one question God has for you, are you unbuckled and ready to see the wonder?
Are you ready? Are you willing? Is your heart open to see the wonder of God? It's not just the stars, though they're, they dangle and they're beautiful. It's not just the sun when it shines and it's bright. It's not just the moon when it's full and it's a nightlight and it's great. But it's the wonder of the creator who made them. It's not just you. You are amazing and you are put together perfectly. But it's not just you. It's the wonder of the creator who put you together this morning. And could we all say honestly this morning before God, how many days do we live and we've missed the wonder? That verse about being child and having childlike faith. How many of us are just so many questions, so many thoughts filling our head? Safety, security, protection, be careful. I don't want to believe Jesus too much because then I'll be a Jesus freak and people will make fun of me. I don't want to be too crazy for God because then I get those labels. How many restraints do we put onto ourselves? How many belts, more than just one? And there's brown belts and black belts and holy belts, designer belts. How many belts have we placed on our lives? We're so buckled up this morning. We're so restrained. We're so safe and we're so secure this morning. We're missing his wonder. I want to encourage you with your eyes closed and heads bowed. Just have a second with God to say, God, I want to see your wonder. Whether it's again or God, I want to see your wonder for the first time. God, show me the wonder. God, I'm going to put my phone down because I don't want to be distracted. God, I'm going to put my thoughts and feelings down in this moment because I don't want to be distracted. God, I'm going to be vulnerable for the first time and I'm going to take off this, this buckle that's held me uh, wrapped up this first time because I'm going to reach out to you. God, show me your wonder. God, show me your wonder. God, help me to see the wonder this week, not in just the trees and the lights and the candy canes. God, help me see the wonder of this season.